Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Go with me today to the second chapter of Acts, Acts chapter 2. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 2, and let's begin in verse number 1. Acts chapter 2, verse number 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Now, the all he was talking about was the 120 disciples, believers that had assembled in the upper room in chapter 1. And it says in chapter 2, now 10 days had transpired since the beginning of chapter 1 when Jesus had ascended into heaven. And uh, on the day of Pentecost, it came 10 days later. And they were still in one accord in one place. <clears throat> and they were there because they were told to wait. Jesus had told them, you'll see in, in chapter 1, verse number 4, says, being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So that's what they were waiting on. They were waiting on the fulfillment of the promise of the Father, the coming of the promise of the Father. They were waiting to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. I'm sure, at least in my own mind, that they weren't sure uh, exactly what all that meant. But they knew the Lord had said, you need this. In the 16th chapter of John's gospel, just before he had gone to the cross, he said, it is necessary, it's urgent. He said, it's urgent for me to go away. Because if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit, the helper can't come. But if I go away, I will send him to you. Well, that must have really stirred their expectation. Because they looked at Jesus and to Jesus for everything. He had become everything in their lives. I mean, they followed him and he was the miracle worker. If they had a question, he had the answer. They had a need. He knew that he, he was the supplier of that need. He was wisdom. He was grace. He was power. He, he was everything. And they had left all to follow him. They had left their businesses and left everything behind and were completely dependent upon him. And when he said, it's urgent for me to leave so that the Holy Spirit can come, that must have really stirred them up. They must have thought, wow, this Holy Spirit business must be wonderful. Amen, this must be something else. So they were, they were very faithfully waiting and uh, he went on to say, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So they were, they were waiting for that power. And he said, you will be witnesses to me. You will be my witnesses is what it says in the Greek in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So I'm sure their hearts were stirred with expectation and they were, they were very faithfully waiting. And uh, it says in chapter one, verse 14, these all continued in one accord or with one accord in prayer and supplication. So they weren't just waiting, 
they were waiting and they weren't just anticipating, they were waiting in prayer and supplication. They realized somehow that something big and something tremendous and something significant was about to happen in their lives. Like I said, I'm, I don't believe they fully understood what all was ahead, but there was an expectation and, and, uh, and uh, 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 a hunger in their heart to have everything God had for them. And so they were there for 10 days and it says in chapter two, verse one, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were still all with one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven. This was a literal sound. A sound from heaven and it sounded like a rushing mighty wind. If you can imagine what that would sound like. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. This, this sound came in and it filled the house. In other words, everybody heard it. Then there appeared to them, they saw this, there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire. And the margin of my Bible says tongues as a fire distributed and resting on each one. In other words, there was one source of this fire and then from this fire, there were little tongues of fire that, that, were, that were dividing off or separating off. And one of these tongues of fire, flames of fire, uh, rested upon each of them. And they began to, to, to speak with other tongues. It says, one rested upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what happened when the fire came on them. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. Of course, we know what happened. We won't read all the rest of what happened that day. You know what happened to the crowd and Peter getting up and preaching and so forth. At the end of his, uh, toward the end of his message in verse 33, uh, Peter's still preaching. He said, therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the, of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. For David did not ascend unto the, into the heavens, but he says himself, the Lord said to my Lord, sit on my right hand till I make your enemies your footstools. Verse 36. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. That is, all of these people who heard the, uh, the speaking in other tongues. In other words, a big crowd gathered. You know what happened there if you're familiar with the rest of this chapter. So this is talking about all of those uh, unsaved people that were in Jerusalem for the, for the Feast of Pentecost and they all came together because of this outpouring of the Spirit, the sound of the rushing mighty wind, the speaking with other tongues. Peter got up and preached to all them. So when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the, of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He said the same thing that happened to us will happen to you. <laughs> for the promise is to you and to your children. And to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. He said, what happened to us today is for you. It's not just for us. He said, it's for you 
and it's for your children and it's for all of those who are far off. In other words, generation after generation after generation, what happened to us is for you. Hallelujah. And with many other words, verse 40, he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Glory to God. And they, that is these new believers, continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. The point I want you to see is that when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost, it wasn't supposed to be a one-time event. But you do understand that much of the church world, theologically, believes that what happened on the day of Pentecost was just for that day. Most of the church world, across the denominations, most of the church world, uh, if they teach anything at all about the Holy Spirit, when they talk about the day of Pentecost, they say the events of that day were so spectacular and so unusual because this signaled the coming of the Holy Spirit in his power to indwell the church and because it was such a, of an important event, this happened the way it did and we should not expect that to happen again because this was a sign for that particular day. But that's not what Peter said. He said this is for us and it's for all who will follow us. Amen. As many as the Lord our God will call. Now let's go over from there to the fourth chapter and skipping the third chapter. Now in the third chapter we have the story of the man uh, that had been carried to the gate of the temple, the gate called Beautiful, and he was laid there. He was crippled and been crippled uh, since birth. And we remember how Peter and uh, John were about to go into the temple and they saw him and they ministered to him and said in the name of Jesus, rise and walk and lifted him up and he, and he was instantly healed and how he went into the temple shouting and, and leaping and praising God. I tell you what, when you get a touch from God, it will make you shout and leap and praise God. And, and, and if, you don't, if you don't feel like shouting and leaping and praising God is for you, you, you might need to, to get in a little more... Uh, 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 familiar and a little more acquainted with what God's done in you because the more you understand about it the more jumping you will do amen praise the Lord hallelujah so they got into trouble because of this person being healed and they were arrested by the religious leaders by the uh, Jewish uh, authorities and taken into the to before the Sanhedrin and they were commanded and they were threatened and they were commanded not to preach anymore in that name and, and uh, repeatedly threatened and then they were let go. And it says that uh, being let go in verse 23, let's pick up in verse 23. And being let go, they went to their own companions. You'll notice the word companions there is in italics. It, it really just says being let go, they went to their own. Uh, but you know over in John chapter 1, it says that Jesus came, into it, came to his own and his own received him not. Well, it was he's talking about his own people, isn't that right? His own, his own people. Where being let go, they went to their own people. I tell you what, it's good to have a people. Amen. 
It's good to have your own company. The original or the older King James says they went to their own company. The new King James says they went to their companions. I, like the, I think I like company better. I just like the sound of that. Amen. We have our own company, and that's where we go. Amen. Said being let go, they went to their own company, their own people, and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made the heavens, the earth, and the sea, and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your holy, uh, your servant David has said, and went ahead and then uh, uh, we won't go through all that they said, but I want you to see they lifted their voice in, in one accord, and they finished up by saying, now, Lord, look on their threats, and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders shall be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. They raise their voice. Amen. I said they raised their voice. This surely had to have been a loud prayer. Or it wouldn't have said they raised. Have you ever had anybody raise their voice to you? Gets loud, doesn't it? They raised their voice to God. So this was, this was a loud prayer. You see, real house-shaking prayer is more than just breathing a few sentences. Amen. There's no victory in just praying with no enthusiasm. There's no victory in that. You have to learn to take the victory and say to the devil, it is written. The word of God says. That's what Jesus said. Every time the devil came to him, he said, it is written. And as believers, we have to take the, the victory and the authority that's ours and stand up to the devil, raise our voice and say, it is written. Amen. I have in my notes right here that Wigglesworth said, no man can doubt if he learns to shout. No man can doubt if he learns to shout. So we were singing today about shouting. Shouting is scriptural. Amen. Things will be different and tremendous things can happen when people know how to shout in victory. Amen. A church that does not know how to pray and to shout will never be shaken with the power of God. I'm going to say that again. A church that does not know how to pray and to shout will never be shaken by the power of God. Because if you read the next verse, after they prayed, it says, when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God wants to shake his people. Now, it doesn't have to be a physical shaking, but it could be. Somebody years ago uh, came up to me and they said, you know, you preach, pastor, you teach that, that speaking with other tongues is the evidence of the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and you focus on that all the time. And he was really, he, he, was, he was working his, his way around 
to refute that. And he said, but that's not all that happened on the day of Pentecost. He said, a sound came and tongues of fire appeared. And that's what happened on the day of Pentecost. He said, you, ne you never talk about that and we never see that. What he was saying was that what happened on the day of Pentecost, again, all of it was unique. And because we don't see the fire and we don't hear the sound, then we don't have any expectation to have the tongues. I said, well, number one, you're wrong on a couple of points. The reason we have the tongues is because that's not the only place this is, is taught in the Bible. It happened in Acts chapter 2. It, acts, it happened, it's inferred that it happened in chapter 8 and in chapter 9. It's explicitly said it happened in chapter 10 and in chapter 19. And we have an epistle where three entire chapters are devoted to tongues. So to say, well, you know, that only happened on the day of Pentecost is just ignorance of the Bible. When it comes to the sound of the rushing mighty wind and the fire, we don't have another record of that. Because we don't have another, you know, the Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses. You can't base a doctrine on one reference or one experience or one happening. When it comes to tongues, we have far more than three. But when it comes to the fire and the sound of the rushing wind, we only have the one. So we have no right to expect it as a, as a, as a sure and certain thing when people are filled with the Spirit. We don't have authority to expect the physical house to be shaken. I don't know that a whole lot of us would like it if that happened. But we don't have any scriptural basis to expect the physical house to shake when we pray. But because it has happened, we know it can happen. Matter of fact, I know a pastor personally. I know this man. I'm, I'm acquainted with him. He and I are friends. And Brother Hagen, Kenneth E. Hagen, came to his church one time and preached. And he said, during the service, a fireman walked in the back door of the auditorium, opened the door and walked into the auditorium, looked around like this, and turned around and walked out. And they found out this later. He wasn't looking at the back door, but he found out this later. And, and what had happened was people driving up and down, this, this fireman looked around and he saw Brother Hagen up, Preaching and teaching, ministering, you know, nothing going on. People just sitting there calmly. What had happened is people were, had been driving by the church and not just one, but multiple people called the fire department and said, you know, that church such and such on such and such street, it's on fire. Said the roof is on fire. They saw flames on the roof. Well, the fire department came screaming out. People in the church didn't know anything about it. The fire department got there and they're unloading all of their gear, you know, and so the, so the leaders of the fire team, you know, they came in and they walked in the, in the uh, back, of, you know, in the front of the church in the hallway. There's no, there are no alarms going off. The sprinklers aren't on. No sirens, you know. Smoke detectors haven't been activated. Heat detectors haven't been activated. And they couldn't smell any smoke. And so they walked into the auditorium, nothing going on. So they said, hold on a minute. So they started to look around. And even some of the firemen saw the fire when they drove up. And they went back out and checked. There was no fire. They got up, I guess. They, I'm sure, you know, they're thorough. They probably got up in the, you know, in the ceiling and walked around. And, and there was no fire. That pastor has an affidavit from the fire department 
certifying that this is what happened. We don't, we don't understand it, but if you want us to document it, we will. He has an affidavit from the fire department that people called in, they saw flame. When they got there, there was no flame. So it can happen. Amen. But even if it doesn't happen physically, it should happen often in our hearts. There should be fire in the house of God every time we come together. Now, like I said a couple of weeks ago when I introduced this subject, I'm not talking about any particular expected uh, demonstration or manifestation of anything. I'm talking about something in our hearts. And we need to be stirred up. We need to be on fire. And when you're on fire, there will be a shout in your mouth. Amen. Some people say, well, I praise God quietly. I praise God inwardly. No, if there's an abundance of praise in your heart, your mouth cannot help but speak it out. Amen. If it's in your heart in abundance... It's going to come out. Now that's the reason why it's not coming out of a lot of people. <laughs> the shout can't come out until it comes in. I said the shout can't come out until it comes in. It has to get on the inside of you. There has to be a shout on the inside. And people that are full of the Spirit People that are filled with the Holy Spirit have a shout. It's not about decibels. It's not about volume. It's not about physical sound. It's the shout of victory that comes when the Spirit of God fills you. Oh, glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. And when you practice God's presence and you practice His praise, and you practice stirring your heart up. Amen. You'll get that down on the inside of you. There'll be a shout. There'll be praise on the inside of you. And you'll find it coming out in the most unexpected places and times. But when we come to church, that's not an unexpected place for it to happen. This is an expected place for it to happen. Oh, glory. Amen. God intends that we have life. There must be the inflow of divine life before there can be any real, real, real outward evidence. I said there must be the inflow of divine life before there can be any real outward evidence. You see, if there's not an inflow of divine life in you, you can come to church and because of our tradition, our tradition is we are a loud church. Our tradition is we lift our hands and we praise God out loud. That's, that's, that's how we do church. Now you might not think so, or I said it like this, you might not think it's, it's that noticeable, but believe me, People come in sometimes from the outside and they have no idea what kind of church this is and you ought to see their eyes. I sat in, in the, when we were in the, the other church, you know, the, the old church, 
I used to sit on the platform and I watched this young couple come in one day. They were in their early to mid 20s and, and, and I think they were married. And um, they came in and sat down in the back of the church. And that particular service, there was no running or dancing or any, anything like that. We were just going through our normal church service. And we were singing and people had their hands in the air and some people were clapping and it was loud and it was upbeat. And I was watching this young couple. I mean, their eyes got big as, big as saucers. And you could, you could sense the tension. They were just, they were just sitting there. You, you, you could just, you could sense the thought going through there. We are not, Toto, we are not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> the appearance of that building on the outside did not did not suggest the activity that was going to go on on the inside. And I think they must have come that morning based on what they saw on the outside. And they were shocked. And, and they were, there, there was fear. There was an expression of fear on their face. And, I mean, they didn't, they didn't last but maybe one or two songs. And they got up and very hurriedly exited the building. And... Nothing really, you know, unusual for us was going on at all. And I thought about it, and I thought, you know, here, here are these young people. They're in their 20s. This was, you know, in the 1990s, I think. I know what kind of music this generation listens to. I know the kind of stuff that goes on in the world and in rock concerts and activities that people their age go to. I don't, whether, I don't care whether they're rock and rollers or they're country and western people. It doesn't make any difference. I know what goes on. And there's some real raucous things that happen, you know, in entertainment and so forth. And so why they would be so freaked out that we had our hands in the air and we're praising God. But I'm telling you, uh, we have, that's what I said all that to say this. We, that's, that's our... Uh, Routine, that's the way we worship. But if we're not careful, we can just, it can just become routine. And when it becomes routine, then going through the motions of lifting your voice, going through the motions of praise without it coming from a heart full of divine life, nothing's going to shake. There will be no shaking going on. Amen. But God intends that we have life. And if there's anything in this world that has life in it, it's the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. I mean, you, it, the, the Pentecostal experience, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is an experience that is lively. You can see it here in Acts chapter 2, and you can see it in Acts chapter 4. And you can see it all through the book of Acts. When people were filled with the Holy Spirit, it resulted in divine life. And we need to be a lively people. Amen. And if we're filled with the Spirit, we will be superabounding in life. Living waters. Jesus said, out of his inward man will flow rivers of living water. And he said this concerning the Spirit. Amen. So there needs to be living water flowing out of us. Amen. Men and women are tired of imitations. Men and women are tired of imitations. They want reality. 
They want to see people who have the living Christ on the inside and are filled with Holy Ghost power. Jesus is the one who came and promised that we would receive power when the Holy Ghost comes. He pioneered a way through his death, burial, and resurrection. He, he, he provided the way from us to be redeemed from everything that would hinder, everything that would mar us, everything that would, that would tie us down in religion and tradition, free us from all of the, of the chains and shackles of the enemy. And he didn't just do that in order to free us so that we would be right with him. He did that so that we would, he, Jesus was raised in glory. When Jesus was raised up, he was raised up in glory. He was raised up, the Bible says, by the glory of the Father. The glory of God raised him up. And he was, he was raised in glory and he ascended into heaven in a cloud of glory. And he was seated at the Father's right hand in glory. But he did all of that so that we would have that glory. Hebrew says that he might bring many sons unto glory. God intends for us to live life here with his glory. With his glory. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Go with me over to, to the, to the uh, 22nd Psalm. Psalm 22. Oh, thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. 22. Verse number 3. But you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. Another version says, inhabiting the praises of Israel. In the Old Testament, when the people of God began to praise him, when they began to assemble together and say, for the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. We know that the glory of God would appear. But what happened was God would enthrone himself. He would inhabit those prayers and those praises. And the result would be glory. Amen. Well, he still inhabits the praises of his people. He is still enthroned upon the praises of his people. But he is not enthroned upon the mindless Routine, automatic voicing of words. However scriptural, and it's a good habit, we have a good habit. But he is not enthroned upon mere words and mere sound. He's enthroned upon genuine praise, genuine worship. That's why I said a couple of weeks ago, when we come together, we ought to expect, we ought to expect an encounter, a significant, life-changing encounter with God every time we come to church. 
we ought to come, we ought to get up and prepare when we're preparing ourselves to come to church on Sunday morning or Sunday night or Wednesday night when we get off work. There, there ought to be a stirring on the inside that we're going, we're going because God has called us together. He's called us to assemble together and there ought to be an expectation that, that we're, gonna, we're going to have a, a, a life-changing, significant encounter with God in our personal lives. Well, you ought to come in this door expecting to encounter God personally. Amen. That, that, that there would be uh, something that would happen in your life that God would show up to you. Doesn't mean necessarily that you see him with, his, with your physical eyes, but that God would show up and that you would, you would encounter him. Amen. And the way we do that is by praise. Real heartfelt praise. Genuine praise where we, where we put all of the other things aside. And I'm telling you, I'm just as human as anybody else. I have to make myself do that. I have to put the thoughts that, that aren't related to what we're doing. I have to put those thoughts aside. Other things, I, I have a life, you have a life. We all have things going on. We have to get in, we have to discipline ourselves. Say that, discipline. Ah, did that hurt? We have to discipline ourselves. When we come together, lest it become routine and blasé. Remember what my definition of blasé was? Anybody remember what that was? Let me go back and read that. Unimpressed or indifferent to something because one has experienced or seen it so often before. Wow. We have to have this significant, meaningful encounter with God. But the only way we do that is by purposing in our heart when we come in that we're going to give God praise. Genuine, heartfelt praise. Oh, glory to God. There is something about the church, the collective body of Christ, when we assemble together and we begin to praise God in one accord and we are genuine, we, we, we've put the things of this world aside and, and the things of our ordinary life aside and any thing that, that, that might irritate us, you know, aside. <laughs> you know, have, have you ever noticed how easy it is to fellowship with other believers uh, from another church, like if you're at the gym or someplace, you know, and, and uh, they're a brother in the Lord. You ever notice how easy that is to fellowship with them? It's just, oh, man, it's just so good to see you, brother. How you doing, you know? Well, the reason it's so easy is because you stay away from things that you disagree on. You don't, you know, you put doctrine aside, you put methodology aside, you put, you know, worship style aside, and it's all about Jesus. Amen. Good to see you, bro. God bless you. Oh, man, you love Jesus? Yeah, I love Jesus too, man. It is sweet fellowship. But have you ever noticed how, how that's sometimes a little more difficult to do with the guy in the, on, the, on the pew behind you? Huh? Because he's irritating you. You know, he, he has things that, that you don't like. He has attitudes that you don't think are real, are real good. That's, that's the challenge of coming together in one accord. Do you think they weren't like that? 
Those people spent 10 days together. You know what they say about company that stays too long? Huh? <laughs> company and fish. Yeah. No, they had to put those things aside because they were focused on one thing. They were focused on the Lord. When we come in, we can do that. We can do that. If I can do it, you can do it. Amen. And if you can do it, I can do it. We can put things aside and we can come in with a genuine hunger and enter into genuine praise where, and I'm telling you, when, when that is begins to stir up on the inside of you, you will have a, a loud praise. You will have an unashamed praise. You will have a bold praise. I mean, when God begins to stir up on the inside of you, it just, it just riles you up. Amen. You begin to think about how good he is and, and, and he, begins to, he begins to enthrone himself in that. He begins to inhabit that praise. And when, see, that's what God wants to do every time we come together. He wants to inhabit our praise. He, what does it mean to enthrone himself? What does that mean? Well, to enthrone means to, to uh, be raised up in royal uh, establishment, to be seated in royal power and dignity, to, to exalt your authority and your rule. God wants to, God wants to enthrone himself. He wants his rule and his reign to be established in us when we praise him. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Now, something happens when the church does this. It affects sinners. It affects unbelievers. And it affects people who are not, maybe Christians, but are not in the best fellowship with the Lord or they don't understand the deeper things of the Spirit. When the church is in genuine praise and the, excuse me, and the Lord inhabits that, when his glory fills that, when people come in, it has an impact that that impact doesn't occur like it should when we, when we are just routinely praising him. You understand what I'm saying? When we just routinely go through the motions and, and listen, we've all done it. Even this man right here has done it. We've all done it. But when we, when we as a church are not really energized by the Spirit, we're just making noise. <laughs> we're just making noise. And, and because our habit is, our, our custom is, we make noise. But we can make noise and God, in, and God inhabit our praise and make noise. Or we can just make noise because it's our custom and, and, and God's not really filling that with anything. And it doesn't, it doesn't touch the heart of people who come in like it does when, we, when the glory of God is filling us. People who are sinners or even Christians who don't understand the things of God, particularly sinners, they don't know what it is. Somebody that's never been born again, I mean, unless they've 
were raised maybe in a, in, a, in a spirit-filled church and for some reason just never got saved and so they're kind of acquainted. But ordinarily, unsaved people won't think, ooh, the presence of God is in here, the glory of God. This is the Holy Spirit. They won't do that. They don't know what, that, they don't know what it is. But it, it, it has an impact. It, it does something to them. And, and people whose hearts God has touched and has prepared, it is like a magnet. It's like a magnet. It, listen, never be ashamed of the Holy Spirit. Never be ashamed of the moving of the Holy Spirit because it's, well, first of all, he's the Holy Spirit. He's God and he moves and whatever he does is right. Amen. So God does move among his people and, and we should not be embarrassed about that. We shouldn't try to, to uh, uh, sort of calm that down or, you know, because somebody's here. Oh, Lord, I brought my friend today. Don't let sister so-and-so jump and run, you know. <laughs> Don't let sister so-and-so jump and run. Don't let so-and-so dance and I remember as a, as a, I think Angela talked about this on Wednesday night, didn't she? I think she did. Growing up as, as a kid, you know, you invite somebody to church and you think, oh, Lord, don't let Brother Jesse spin around like a top. Because <laughs> Brother Jesse Ellington would jump up. Am I telling the truth back there, you, you guys from my, my old days? Are you listening, Pat? Did brother, did brother Ellington, did brother Ellington sometimes jump up and spin? He would spin around like a top, just in one little place. He just spin around, and his coattail would stand out like this as he spun around. <laughs> and Sister Spell, oh glory! <laughs> Sister Spell always say, "Well, glory." I brought, a, I brought a, a man that I was working with. I got back to the fellowship of the Lord and got started going to church. And so we made, he was a, of one particular denomination and wasn't spirit-filled. And, and he was curious, you know, about what he was. So we had, a, we had an agreement. I, he would come and visit me one night in, in one service, and I would go to visit him in his church. Well, that's the only way I could get him to come. And, uh, and he came that night in service, and Sister Spell started off. Well, glory, well, glory. And he told me later, he said, you know, I, I think it's good to praise God, but I, I think you can be quiet about it. <laughs> well, that was his religious tradition talking. But when people haven't been brainwashed with, with religious tradition, and a lot of people have, but people who haven't been brainwashed with religious tradition when the Spirit of God is genuinely in manifestation and when the glory of God is there as we praise Him and we enter in, I tell you what, it is like a magnet to a hungry and thirsty heart. It, it's something resonates on the inside. They want what you have because there's nothing like that in the world. There is no joy like that in the world. There is no peace like that in the world. There's no satisfaction like that in the world. I mean, you go to a football game and one minute you're going, yeah, yeah, yeah. And people all around you are shouting and the next minute they're going, boo, boo, boo. Throw him out. The umpire, the referee, get him out. He's a liar. Get him out. And they're, that guy can't block. Get him off the field. Am I telling the truth? It's not the same thing. It, people get excited but they can turn on a dime. 
I've been to some of your houses during football season. Come on. <laughs> There's nothing like this, what we have in the world. There's nothing like it. And I'm telling you what, God knows how to reach the human heart. That's why when we come together, we need to come together on purpose. Shake yourself. Check all of the distractions at the door. Amen. When you, it's good to fellowship when you get here. If that's, that's part of, remember they, they uh, uh, continued daily in uh, prayers and doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread. Fellowship was important. But let's not fellowship to the point that we're, that we're still, uh, you know, just talking about natural things when it's time to praise God. Let's, let's, let's transition. Let's get ready to enter in. Let's get ready to worship the Lord. So great, man. That's a great story you're telling me. Listen, finish that after church. Let's go in here and worship God. Let's get in the spirit. Let's praise God together. Amen. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. When true believers come to church to praise and pray as these early disciples did, things will happen. 3,000 people got saved the very first time. People who come will catch fire if there's fire here. You can't expect them to be on fire if there's no fire here. They will catch fire and they will want to come back again. But they will have no use for a place where everything has become routine and where people are just going through the motions. Amen? Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Oh, my next point is so good. I mean, everything I've said today is building for my next point. Amen. And I will share it with you next time. Because God is doing something here. God is, is bidding us. He is offering to take us to a greater dimension, into a greater place in the spirit. I'm talking about this church, Impact Family Church. He is offering this. He is bidding us. He is calling on us to step with him into a greater dimension than we've ever known before. Amen. But we will have to shake ourselves. Yeah, we, me too. I have to do it. I'm not talking, you know, to just you. I'm talking to me too. We have to shake ourselves. And we have to come in here with a hungry heart, ready for God to change us. I'm telling you what, when I came this morning, I came expecting a meaningful, significant encounter with God. And I received it. I'm standing right here doing praise and worship. I tell you what, God was so real to me as we worship the Lord this morning. Oh, my goodness. We need that, we need that refreshing every time we come together. There are times of refreshing and we can have them when we want them because we'll get in. That's, that's my next to, to my, next, my next point, the one after my next point. We can have times of refreshing anytime we want them because he told us how to have them. He told us in the book of Acts how to have times of refreshing. Well, if we do what he said, that's what we'll have. Amen. Amen. Well, glory to God. Next time, it's going, we're going to, oh, Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's stand. Thank you, Father.
Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Oh, we praise you. Father, we're thankful. We're thankful for what we have. We're thankful that we've been born again. That we were rescued out of a life of destruction. Out of a life of ruin. Out of a life of darkness and confusion and loss and lack. A pitiful, meaningless life. Where there was no hope. There was no joy. There was no purpose in life. And every day was a struggle. Because we just didn't see any future in anything but in your mercy and your grace you opened our hearts you opened our hearts to receive the truth the light of the gospel and it came flooding in someone spoke to us someone shared something or we went to a church service where the saints of God were on fire and we had that encounter that changed our lives, Father. Oh, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for the change that came into our lives. We were born again. We passed from death into life, became your very children. Our nature changed. Our desires changed. Our hopes for the future changed. Everything changed. And then you filled us with your Holy Spirit. Glory to God. Brought power into our life. Brought the thrill of God. Of serving Him and, and ministering for Him. Not out of religious duty, but out of joy. Out of freshness. Oh, Father, you've enriched our lives. Glory to God. You've given us your word. We've seen so much of what belongs to us. We're grateful, Father. We're grateful for all we have. Help us. Help us. Help us, Lord. Help us. Help us be the people of praise that we ought to be and that we want to be. We know it's your plan. Help us stir ourselves. Help us discipline ourselves. Help us be reminded when we come together that we're coming together for a divine purpose. And the, and the doorway into the fulfilling of that purpose is praise. Oh, that we would lift our hands not just not just a physical automatic response to the music, but as a, as, a, as a token of what's in our heart. Lift our hearts and our hands to you and our praises ascend to you, Father, from a glad and thankful, fresh heart. Oh, hallelujah. Enthrone yourself upon our praises. Establish yourself in all of your kingly glory. In all of your authority, dominion, power, and might. Establish yourself 
in all of that upon our praises. Oh, Father, that our hearts will be lifted up beyond the natural. Lord, get us out of the natural plane as we, as we start out natural, as we start out having to, to, to force our flesh to do what we know is right. Father, connect with us. Join us. Enthrone yourself upon these feeble attempts to praise you and begin to fill us with your glory so that, Father, we're transported out of the natural into the supernatural. We leave the realm of the ordinary, leaving the realm of the natural, leaving the realm of religion, leaving the realm of, 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 of natural faults, natural conduct, conduct and natural thinking and natural talking. Get over in the realm of the Spirit. Father, not with words which man's wisdom teaches, but that which the Holy Spirit teaches. Father, that we begin to worship you in spirit and in truth. Oh, Father, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Oh, I worship you, 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 Father. I worship you, I worship you, I worship you, Father. I worship you, Lord. I worship you, Lord Jesus. I worship you, Lord. I worship you, Lord. I worship you. I worship you. I worship you, Lord. I worship you, Lord. You've been so good to me. You are so good to me. I know you will be good to me. I'm grateful. I worship you, Father. I worship you, Lord Jesus. I submit my life to you. I submit my will to you. I submit everything I am to you, Father. I empty myself of everything that's, that's self-fulfilling, self-gratifying, selfish purposes, motives. May I come to you, Father, and worship empty in that sense, empty of self, Empty of self-will. Empty of pride. Just to worship you and to be filled with your glory and your power, Father. Oh, I worship you. 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 I worship you, Lord Jesus. Have your way. Have your way in my life. Have your way in the life of this church not my will but your will be done Father that we might be a place of habitation that you might inhabit us inhabiting our praises enthroned upon our praises may we truly be a habitation for your Holy Spirit to fill and manifest himself Father, that is the best testimony. It's the best witness. It's the best kind of outreach to a lost and hungry soul is reality. Not just church, 
Not just routine church, but reality church. Father, help us to be a reality church. A reality church. Father, where where our encounter with you is real. That the that your spirit and in manifestation is real and it's fresh. And that you're free to do what you want in every life, every person here. And so that when the lost or those who are unfamiliar have never experienced the touch of your glory, Father, that you can that you can reach their hearts in the way that only you know how. Oh, Father, be glorified. Lord Jesus, be glorified in all that we do. Every song that we sing, all of our fellowship, when we give our offerings and our tithes, Father, that you would, be, that you would fill all of that Oh, hallelujah. That you would receive glory. That you would be glorified in all of it. That Jesus would be exalted on high. That all men would be pointed to him. Glory to God as Savior, Lord, Baptizer, Healer, Deliverer. Glory to God. Thank you for it, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Do you desire these things? Amen. Amen. I know you do. I know you do. Hallelujah. You couldn't help but desire those things. You've been washed in the blood of Jesus. You've been justified. You've been sanctified. You've been washed. And you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. So these desires are, are there, but they have to be, they just have to be nurtured, that's all. They just have to be nurtured. Amen. Paul told Timothy, stir up the gift of God that's in you. Just because you have God in you doesn't mean that he will stir himself up. Amen. You have to stir, stir up everything that's in you in Christ. Amen. Glory to God. And we're doing it. We're doing it. We're going to that place. We're going to, I'm telling this church, we're going to that place. Because I'm not going to back off. I'm not settling for anything less than that. Glory to God. And I know you, and I know you aren't either. Amen. <laughs> glory, 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 glory. Father, we love you. We love you. We honor you today. Hallelujah. Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.